Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 15 through 17. Hear now the word of, word of the Lord. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Ryan. Well, I want to also say thank you to our music team this morning, Stan, Donna, and Stephen. We appreciate you guys holding on for us. Um, as many of you probably know, you know, it, it seems like at least all of my friends are like Russians at the Olympics, testing positive on all of their tests. And uh, so we have a lot of people out with an unknown virus. Um, I don't know, it might be a big deal soon. But uh, on top of that, with all the vacation schedules, we appreciate you guys holding it down as uh, we have a lot of other musicians out and holding together. So thank you guys. Um, it is my pleasure right now to welcome up Stephen Cooper. Um, Stephen will be our guest speaker this morning. And Stephen is uh, pastored at Harbor City Church in downtown San Diego for 14 years. Last year, he launched a leadership coaching ministry called Clarity Focus Heart, a coaching and consulting. And Stephen coaches leaders in business, the church, nonprofit world, the LGBTQ community. And Stephen helps leaders experience God and maximize the impact of their leadership. But we've buried the lead because Stephen is one of those guys that I hope to be like when I grow up. Um, and, you know, he is here as a friend, someone who helps keep me sane in the midst of all of this time while Jeff's out on sabbatical. And so please offer him a warm welcome because people don't applaud for him lately. And I've said too many nice things. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, Lewis. It is a joy to be here. I got to come, I guess it was earlier this year, I think. Um, and share the, the good news of the Lord with you, open God's word. Excited to be back. Um, yeah, God's doing really neat things here in this church. He's moving. And, uh, and my hope today is that we're going to come face to face with God. Like, I want you to have an encounter with the risen Jesus. I want you to experience how God responds to your failures. Okay, that's where we're going today. That's what, uh, I want you to experience like what God is like. Okay, what it's like to come to God after you fail. I want you to see what kind of person he is and how he feels about you. Um, there's a question that sometimes I ask in my coaching when I meet with my clients. I ask them, how do you think God feels about you right now? And it's a very penetrating question because a lot of people generally go to, well, 
they just, they just they start thinking about all the ways that they've failed God, all the ways that they haven't been what they want to be, what they think they should be, what they feel like God wants them to be. And they have this sense that God has a disposition that is just like always disappointed. So we're going to come to God today, and I want you to see if that's true or not, because the Bible wants you to know exactly how God feels about you, especially when you fail. So we're going to do that today. And it's important to talk about our failures. Our failures are doubly painful, okay? Because our failures bring guilt and shame upon us, um, but they also deceive us. Our failures don't just make us feel bad. They also lie to us. Our failures speak. They say things like, God doesn't love you. They say th- or they say things like a little more nuanced. They'll say, well, God has to love you because look what Jesus did, <laughs> You know, they say things like, God doesn't really need you. He actually doesn't want you trying to help other people because look at you. These are the things that our failures tell us. And, And sometimes we grow up in an environment where part of the reason why that voice from our failures lands so well is because our parents have treated us like if we're not perfect, we're a disappointment. And so our failures create this sort of cycle. And so if you have ever felt this way, if you've ever heard this voice, if you've ever believed this voice, I want to give you just a quick survey of the Bible, okay? Let's just look at the the Bible from beginning to end, and, and let's just look at a few people. Noah, remember him? Amazing man of God. Well, he was a drunk, okay? Abraham, he was way too old. He was like 75, when God called him, and then he was like 99 when he had his first, I mean, come on, he's way too old. Jacob, right? Jacob, who became Israel, right? Father of the nation of Israel, he was a liar. Joseph, Israel's son, one of his, one of his sons was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon feared being alone. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair and committed murder. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. The woman at the well was divorced and divorced and divorced and divorced and divorced and divorced. The apostle Paul hated Christians and tried to kill them. And then Peter denied Jesus. The Bible is full of real people who had real failures, real struggles, real inadequacies, and God used them to change the world. These were people that God used to change the world. Friends, it's not about us. It's not even about our failures. It's about how God can use us in our failures. And so if your story is anything like any of these, God is eager to work in your life too. God is eager to be your father. There's this amazing meme that I've seen on social media that just, it warms my heart. Um, It says this, it says this, it's about failure. It says that religion says, I messed up, my dad is going to kill me. But the gospel of Jesus says, I messed up, I need to call my dad. Our God is a God who wants to be the first person that you reach out to when you fail. We're going to see that today. 
I want to show you just how God responds to our failures. We're going to zoom in on, on this conversation between Jesus and Peter. Okay, between Jesus and Peter, Ryan read it for us. It's a conversation that happens after Peter failed. Okay, how Jesus responds to Peter is how Jesus responds to us when we fail. So if you are a Christian and you failed him, this conversation is for you. If you're not a Christian and you wonder if God would ever want you, you're going to get to see his response and how he feels about you. And so the threefold denial of Peter, it's kind of famous. Um, even people that haven't been around the church a long time have kind of heard, oh, you know, you know that phrase like when the, before the rooster crowed? You know, when the rooster crows, like that comes from the story of Peter. Jesus told Peter, um, before the rooster crows, meaning before dawn, you're going to deny me three times. Okay, and this is the same Peter who, like when Jesus told him that, Peter said in Matthew 26, verses 33, he said this, Peter answered him, though they all, so though everyone else, all the other disciples, all the other people that are following me, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so Peter, you know, with bravery and courage and bravado actually is all it was. Peter stands and says, Jesus, I will never fail you. I will never deny you. Why would, how could I ever do that? Even if everyone else does, I will never, ever do that. And just hours later, Peter failed Jesus. And not just once, but three times. Three times. He couldn't handle the pressure and then Peter was consumed by despair and hopelessness. And in his failure, Jesus sought him out. Jesus went after him because Jesus is like one of those friends that you have who never gives up on you. Jesus is like one of those people who, even if you know you should be seeking him, he will come find you. And so that's what he does. Jesus is the good shepherd who searches for us and finds us in our failures. And what do you imagine Jesus has to say to Peter? Well, we, we read it already. In John 21, verse 15, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Anybody wonder why Jesus keeps asking? Like, it's a little bit confusing, right? Like, does Jesus not believe Peter? Is he like trying to shame him in some way? Did Peter give the wrong answer? Well, I think there's two things that we need to see and experience in Jesus' conversation with Peter. The first thing that Jesus does for Peter is he gives him a gospel do-over. 
Okay, that's what he's doing here in this conversation. He's giving Peter a gospel do-over. The reason that Jesus asks Peter three times is because Jesus is addressing Peter's failure. Peter denied Jesus three times. And it's when Jesus asked him the third time that Peter was grieved. That's what the text says, right? It says that because it reminds Peter of his threefold denial. And there's a principle here that I want you to see, and it's this, that Jesus doesn't ignore our failures. Jesus doesn't ignore our failures. He knows, he knows that Peter's failure will forever haunt him if Jesus doesn't address it. Peter knows that no matter how good life might be between Jesus and Peter, if Jesus doesn't address this, if Jesus doesn't deal with it, if Jesus doesn't bring it up, Peter's always going to wonder. Do you have a relationship like that? I mean, I've had situations like this where something's happened with somebody and we don't really, really deal with it. We don't talk about it, but it seems like everything's cool, right? We talk, we hang out, we even laugh. Like, it, it feels like life is normal. And I just wonder, like... Like sometimes I've been on the, I did the wrong thing. And then sometimes I've been on the, I've been hurt thing. And when I'm, when I'm the one who was hurt, sometimes I sit there thinking like, what, are you just going to act like nothing happened? Like, are you going to bring this up? Are you going to apologize? Like, hello, are we really just going to act like nothing happened? When I'm on the failure side, I mean, usually I'm like, I'm thinking, um, like, are you still carrying this? Like, have you forgotten this? Like, is this really behind us? Is this something that I did, something that you can and will use against me in any conversation in the future? Right, this is what happens to us when we don't deal with things, when we don't address our failures. And Jesus knows that. And so he knows this is gonna haunt Peter. And so, principle here, Jesus doesn't ignore our failures. He forgives them. He forgives them. Jesus knows that's what we need. Um, it's true with God in our relationship with him. It's true in our relationship with others, our marriages, our coworkers, with our kids. Sin can't be undone. Failures can't be undone. But they can be forgiven. And when you hear the person who was hurt say, I forgive you, when you feel the person restore you, you know it's been dealt with. And so Jesus doesn't see our failures and say, oh, don't worry about it. Jesus sees our failures and says, I forgive you. And there's a big reason why every Sunday when you gather for worship, you confess your sins. It's so that we all can hear the pastor, the one who stands and speaks for Jesus tell us that our sins are forgiven. That's an incredible moment. And I know it's easy when you do it every week to, for it to like kind of lose its, its specialness. But Jesus is there saying every week to you, I love you. I forgive you. You are forgiven. There was a Christian song back in the 90s uh, by a guy named Steve Camp and it was called For Every Time. 
It's the name of the song. And it's about this conversation between Jesus and Peter. And, uh, and he brings up in the lyrics, it's like, he says, it's once for every time that Peter denied him, Jesus restored him to the hope that he knew. And then the chorus goes like this. For every time we broke his heart, for every time we've fallen, for every time we thought we'd gone beyond his grace, once for all, he stood in our place. So, and what's most like, remarkable about this conversation is that as Jesus is giving Peter this gospel do-over, as he's giving him a chance to do it right this time, to do it over, he's giving him a do-over, Jesus has just paid the price for Peter's failure. All of the failure of Peter, all of our collective failure, Jesus took to the cross. He gave himself up as a sacrifice, as a substitute for our failures, for our sins, so that he could look to Peter and restore him, so he could look to us and restore us. And so what Jesus says to us today is that it's not whether you failed, it's how you respond when you fail. So if you failed Jesus in big ways and little ways, Jesus is here today with a gospel do-over. And he comes to you and he just asks, do you love me? Do you love me? If you do, then Jesus responds to your failures with forgiveness. And the gospel gives us a do-over. And in this do-over, our apology is to say, yes, Jesus, I love you. And there's something big about that because when we do that, what we're saying is, and you know, I've done this with my kids before too, where like we have a bad evening where I was too harsh with the kids. I was, I was wrong to, I just, I just stepped over lines. I got angry. I sinned in my anger against them. You know, and then I tuck them in that night. I'm like, hey, I love you. <laughs> and what I'm doing there is I'm, asking them, like, please don't remember the way I treated you tonight. Please remember that I love you. And what's amazing is that when you say to Jesus, yes, Jesus, I love you, Jesus sees and receives your love now. He doesn't see anymore your failure. This is what he's like. He says, like, I actually, I don't need perfect people. I don't, know, I don't need people who haven't failed. Actually, what I need are people who aren't perfect. What I need, what the world needs, are people who know they need forgiveness and who can show others how I respond to the need for forgiveness. And so Jesus gives Peter this gospel do-over. Um, the second thing that comes, or something deeper even, that's going on in this conversation. Um, this conversation is helpful. Like, what, what the other thing Jesus is communicating to Peter, the second thing I want you to see is that Jesus is telling Peter, who you are is enough for me. 
okay? And that's this deeper thing. Um, this is one of the times, one of the places in the New Testament where knowing Greek is helpful. And I'm not going to bring up the Greek because I want you to think I'm super smart, even though I am smart. Um, you know, I just got in line there and then didn't get in line in some other places where I'm weak. But, um, but the New Testament was written in Greek. And it's helpful to know there's actually two different words in the New Testament that are translated love in our Bibles, okay? Um, and so one of the words is this word phileo, and this word, it's translated love, but it actually means to like, to be fond of, to consider as a friend. So Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. So it's, it's like brotherly love, right? Your buds, your good friends, you're fond of, um, you like them. And then there's this other word in the Greek, that's, it's the word agape. And this is God-given, supernatural, sacrificial love. Okay? So some people like to say agape is like real love, phileo is, is like. So, you know, you can think about that. Um, so why is this important in the conversation with Peter? Well, it shows us something incredible about Jesus. Okay? And so we're going to look at these verses again in a little bit shorter way so I can highlight this. In verse 15, what Jesus says to Peter is, Simon, do you agape me more than these? Okay? That's the word love that he uses there. He says, Simon, do you agape me more than these? God-given, supernatural love. Peter, do you agape me? Peter replies, Lord, you know that I phileo you. So use a different word. And it's almost like Peter's saying, Jesus, I, I, I really like you a lot, but I, I'm not capable of agape love. Like, I'm sure that I'm not better than any of the other disciples. My failure just proved that. You know that I phileo you. Well, then in verse 16, it says, Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, do you agape me? And Peter, he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. And what I see here is that Peter is saying, Jesus, you know, hey, I'm doing the best I can here. I can't say that I love you with that kind of love because you'll nail me to the wall because I failed you. I denied you three times. I can't say that I agape you. Even if I feel like I might, for, you, for me to say that would be hypocritical and would be wrong. So Jesus, I phileo you. Verse 17, this blows my mind. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, do you phileo me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything you know that I phileo you. And again here, what I see Peter doing is he's saying, Jesus, you can see into my heart. You can see through my failures. You can see through my denial. There's a heart that loves you and is trying. I'm doing the best I can. I know that I was a failure, but you know that I phileo you. And what is remarkable to me about this is that Jesus meets Peter where he is. Like Jesus wants agape from Peter. Jesus wants Peter to say, I agape you. But he will settle for Peter's phileo. 
Like if phileo is all that Peter has to offer, Jesus says, I will gladly accept it. It's almost as though Jesus was saying in the first two times, Peter, hey, I want you to say that you agape me. It's okay. And he sees Peter's brokenhearted. He sees Peter's honesty. And he says, you know what? I want to ask you a question that you can say yes to without qualification. It's your honesty that is keeping you from feeling like you can say more. So instead of me asking you to come up here, I'm going to come down to where you are. Because what you have is good enough for me. Jesus is saying to Peter, who you are is good enough for me. Friends, when your love falls short, his love is perfect. He will meet you in the place where you are because above everything else, Jesus just, he wants your love. He wants your commitment in whatever form you can offer it to him. Do you love him? Do you just like him a lot? In grace, Jesus asks you for what you have and he accepts what you have. He accepts you. And so Jesus says to you today, who you are is enough for me. In Hebrews, it says he's not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. God is not a disappointed father. He loves us. He's delighted in us. And this is abundantly clear in this text um, because Jesus doesn't just restore Peter to himself, but he says, this is what qualifies you for leadership. Like this encounter, this experience, Peter, is what qualifies you because Jesus said to Peter three times, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Jesus is saying to Peter, I want you to care for my people. I want you, Peter, you, the failure that you are to, to lead my people. I want you to lead in the church. I don't want people who've never failed. I want restored failures. I want forgiven failures to lead in my church because forgiven failures can help the world to know that they can be forgiven. There's a spirit of ugliness that pervades some churches and it's a spirit that begins to grow when we forget that we are forgiven failures. We become judgmental. You know, we become self-righteous. We begin to think that other people are worse than we are. And you can kind of smell that vibe from people. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 Peter, you're the person. He's saying to us, these are the people. And so even as you think about nominating for elders, deacons, you know, men and women in the church, um, for deaconesses, like as you think about who should be leaders, this is a question you want to ask yourself. 
Does this person come across to me like a forgiven failure? Do they love Jesus? And does their love for Jesus create space for other people who aren't what they wish they were? My hope is that you are encountering Jesus right now and that you're experiencing his forgiveness in your failures. And what Jesus wants to do is he wants you to experience his love and to know that to the core of your being. And then he wants you to love others in the way that he has loved you. He wants you to be somewhat excited when people are sharing their failures with you. When people come to you and they're burdened and they're, they're low and they feel like, hey, I need you to pray for me or I screwed up and I need you to, you know, when that Jesus wants you to be able to be with them in their pain, in their, in their struggle, in their suffering, but then he wants you to be able to say, hey, you know what? I would never have known this if the Bible didn't say it. But there's a passage where Jesus treats Peter after his failure that I think would speak to you today. And then you could share, share this with them. And you could share them that, you know what, Jesus gives Peter a gospel do-over. Jesus communicates to Peter that whatever he has to offer, he will meet him there and accept it. And Jesus will take this love that you offer to him, this experience that you have of him, and he wants to multiply it to touch other people. Now, some of us have the ability, when we fail, to remember a passage like this or other passages that remind us of God's love, that, you know, Romans 5, 8, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8, 1, that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. 1 John 1, if anyone says he has no sin, he's a liar, but if anyone confesses their sin, God is faithful and just to forgive their sin, cleanse them from all unrighteousness, right? There's lots and lots of, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his own son so that anyone who believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life, right? There's so many verses, right, that you could go to and some of you are able to do that. If you're like me, there are times when I can't do this for myself. Okay, if you're like me, there are times when I can remember God forgives me, and then there's other times where I just, it just doesn't work. Like, I can't. Like, I can remember the Bible verse, but I'm like, yeah, but God's still really angry with me. If you can't experience this from Jesus on your own, I want you to know that often you're not meant to. You're not meant to be able to do this on your own, okay? Jesus is not wanting to create people who don't need anybody else. And so if you're in this place where you're hearing this, I mean, hopefully you're experiencing this now from me, but on your own, um, if you can't get there on your own, Jesus, you don't need to. This is why you have a church family. This is why you have brothers and, and sisters who hopefully are forgiven failures who can hear you and meet you in your failure, right? It's when we behold Jesus like this, right? This is the community that we want to become. 
right? We behold Jesus and his grace, then we belong to him and to each other, right? And then we become like Jesus in our love for each other. And sometimes you can give that to others. Other times you need other people to give that to you. And so, man, like what this experience with Jesus does is it pushes us. It pushes us forward because there are people that Jesus wants you to minister to. There are people who don't know what to do with their failures, who are in this church, and they need you to remind them of this. There are people outside the church, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your homes, people that don't know Jesus or struggling to, to know what Christianity is. This is one of the most beautiful introductions you could give someone to why you're a Christian. You can argue about religion, all these sorts of things, but you could say, you know what? The reason I'm a Christian is because when I fail, this is how my God responds to me. No one can take that away from you. People can try to argue that, but, you, but they can't. They can't. Because you have a peace and a joy that comes from this kind of love. And it's when we become like this, we become like Jesus in this way that we are a blessing to other people. Man, I mean, what would this church be like? What would New Life Irvine be like if everybody were just forgiven failures? Honest about your failures, honest about your forgiveness, excited and devoted to the one who's forgiven you. What would the world be like if we could somehow stop fighting about all the different kinds of things and just realize that, you know what? I've had this encounter with Jesus and it's changed everything about my life and I want you to have it too. Take away being demanding, being judgmental. It's not the perfect that changed the world, it's the forgiven. And so let's be these people together as we try to minister to the community around us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this encounter with Peter. Thank you for seeking him out in his failure and loving him like this. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to us by your spirit today. Friends, I just, Jesus is here asking, do you love me? Do you love me? If you love him in the quietness of your heart, tell him you do. He will continue, to, or he'll begin, if you've never done that before, he'll begin to work in you. If this is your thousand and first time telling Jesus that you love him after failing, he is eager to restore you and then to use you to love others. Jesus, thank you for this grace. We love you. Amen.